0: We are uh, continuing our series through the book of Acts. Thank you, Flacco. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, and we are going to make significant progress. Acts <laughs> chapter 8. Go ahead and turn it to Acts chapter 8, and uh, I'll, say, I'll say a couple introductory remarks, and then, uh, then we'll get into it. Um, Acts chapter 8, as you're turning there, starting verse 9. Uh, I had a moment of of God kind of reminding me the gospel this week, uh, the gospel, and I'm going to talk a lot about this morning, gospel, religion, difference. If you're not a Christian, turned off by Christianity, unsure about Christianity, uh, this, this morning's message, I, I hope and pray, will be significant for you. So I'm sitting there with my four-year-old son and my wife, okay, because they had a play date with one of Parker's classmates, right? So, you know, they're just kind of talking, this was after dinner, they're having some ice cream, and uh, I don't know if you parents can relate, but something happens when you become a parent, and that is like, you think your children are like the most beautiful people in the world, and other people's kids look weird. Okay. You'll see what I mean. Anyway, so... So, we're talking, and was going to hang out with this, 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 one of his classmates, you know, and, and uh, uh, he's an Asian boy, and, 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 and so, and I was just sitting there just talking to my wife, and maybe I was cranky, you know, or I was just being me or whatever, you know, we're sitting there talking, and I say to my wife, I go, yeah, you know, he's not so cute, Jenny, you know, he, he looks like an old man, you know, <laughs> and then my son, four years old, my son. Immediately, sitting there, dog, says, Daddy, I like him just the way he is. And then he went on, did whatever, right? And then, and then this is the funny part. That's, oh, this is the funny part, right? So my wife goes, yeah, Parker, you tell daddy. Tell daddy he needs to be sorry, right? So You, need to, you tell daddy he needs to be sorry for saying that. And then my, my son looks at my wife and goes, Sorry for what, mommy, you know? So he, he, uh, he reminded me again this morning. He says stuff like that all the time where I'm just like, what, you know? Um, I share this story with you guys because I, I think when it comes to gospel, the gospel, what's at the sense of Christianity, we Christians get it totally wrong. We get it, we get it backwards. Because here's what the gospel says, Right? Here's what the gospel says. The gospel says that, that, that anyone is, let me give you an imagery. Here's what the gospel says. The gospel says none of us, none of us leans against the cross and we judge who comes and who doesn't. But we all kneel at the foot of the cross and we say there's room for everyone. There's room for everyone. You made a mess of your life, it doesn't matter. There's room for you. You struggle with your sexual identity and you've done some things, it doesn't matter. There's room for you. Rich, poor, doesn't matter, there's room for you. The gospel is radically egalitarian. Anybody is invited. Here's what happens. So Christians, we take the gospel of grace that says that, right? That we're not saved because of anything that we do. We're saved not because we're moral, immoral. We're not saved because we're rich, poor. We're not saved. None of those things. We're saved because of the work of Christ and Christ alone on our behalf. Living the life we should live, dying the death we should have died. Right? So the essence of the gospel says this. Essence of the gospel is here are the people that are fit for the gospel. It's, it's the fact that you know that you're not fit for the gospel. Here's how you know that you would be worthy of the gospel is that when you know that you're not worthy of the gospel, again, there's room at the foot of the cross. So Christians have taken this beautiful gospel that says that, and here's what happens. When you embrace this gospel, which at the essence of his grace, like God, you did that for me, you accept me, you embrace me, you love me, you love me, me. When you know that, the Bible says something snaps inside of you, and it cannot help but result then in a life of utter devotion, utter surrender, utter passionate love for jesus nobody has to tell you nobody's tell you like you know you need to do that why he's done that for me snap nobody's to tell me to do that. that's the natural response that's the inevitable result of what he's done for me the gospel here's what religion does right religion that takes upside down religion says oh no no it's not open for everybody here's who gets in if you're good you get in Religion says, no, here's how you gets in. If you're a moral person, you get in. Here's how you get in. You get in if you follow, you know, the right things. You right sort of in there. That's how you get in. And here's, check this out. So the result of that then, religion is, you then say, God, I have you in my debt. I have a claim on you. After all, I contributed to this process, see? Not say by grace, but really, really, I may say it, but I don't believe it. So here's what I do. I have you in my debt, which is the whole point of religion. The whole point of religion is appeasing some God so that he would bless you. Appeasing some God so that there are no hardships that come into your life. Appeasing some God so he will leave you alone. This is the reason why when Christians talk about the gospel to our non-Christian friends, do they hear the gospel, Christianity? What do they hear? They think religion. No wonder they're not attracted to Christianity. No wonder they have anything to do with it. Who would want to be attracted to that? The gospel comes along and says, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. We are saved by grace and grace alone. Not a single thing. And when that snaps inside of you, here's what happens. You change your perspective from, I have to worship God. I have to obey him. I have to love. You have to. You don't have, you, you get to, you get to, that's, I have to love my wife, I have to serve, boy that sounds really good, right, boy that, there's a guy who really gets it, no, I don't have to serve my wife, I get to, I don't have to love my wife, I get to love my wife, that's what the gospel snapping inside of you, God, I have to, you don't have to worship God, he doesn't need your worship, but you What? You get to! Isn't that that cool? You get to! Byron, we get to do that. Isn't that amazing? We get to love God. We get to worship God. We get to serve God. Not we have to. Has the gospel snapped inside of you? Are you religious? Are you religious? Um, so this morning, as we continue our, our, our uh, series through the Book of Acts, um, we are going to uh, we are going to be going. By the way, let me just say this one thing. Here's the reason why we don't get grace. You know, when we think when you think of the word grace, you know, you know what we think of? We think warm, fuzzy grace. You know, we think something like diet, you know, diet, grace. Are you kidding me? If you understand biblical grace, you un- grace has a bite to it. Grace has an edge to it. you know why? Because if you understand grace, you realize that there's not a single thing that God cannot ask of you. And That's threatening. That's threatening. I don't know where we got this, you know, cheap grace. I'm loved anyway. you kidding me? If you understand grace and the gospel snaps inside of you. Whoa. Whoa. So when we come to Acts chapter 8, Philip, a, a, a Jewish man, goes into the most hated region as a Jew, the Samaritans, ministering to the most despised people, the most unclean People. How does a Jew go from despising a group of people, go from despising a region, despising whatever, to radically embracing, radically love? The gospel snapped inside Philip's heart. What do I mean? Here's what happens. Before the gospel snaps, again, we judge. And we, when the gospel snaps, here's what happens. You realize that everyone is too evil. Everyone is too wicked. Everyone falls short of God's standard. Therefore, Nobody is more wicked. No, nope. you see what I'm saying. Nobody is more, you know, evil. Nobody is more outside the realm of God, and therefore the gospel says, "Check this out." Than anyone, anyone, regardless of what you've, done, anyone can be fit. Anyone can receive grace and be incorporated in the grace of God, family of God. Anybody. Do you you get this? Do you think this would be good news to your non-Christian friends if they kind of understood this? What do you think? Nod your head if you think so. Yeah, yeah? I think so too. I think so too. I think if they realize Christianity at the end of the day is not about some angry God we have to peace by obeying the commandments and if we don't, you know, judge. If they understood, maybe they'll be open to hearing about it, you know? They might not accept it, but maybe they'll be a little bit more open to hearing about it. Okay, so so gospel snaps. So we we now, Acts chapter 8, now get to talk about something really fun. You ready? So Philip goes to Samaria, and he meets a guy named Simon, who is a sorcerer, a magician. And again, we see this gospel religion played out in this story. Verse 9. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. We're already seeing a picture. Who goes around going, I'm great? Who I'm great. Who Who does that? Who does that? You know who does that? We do. I, I, I'll tell you. I'll show you in a minute, okay? So, uh, he was, he was, he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, they, they said about him, this man is the divine power known as the great power. And they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with this magic. Okay, so, so here's what we know, okay? Here's what we know. We don't know everything, but here's what we know about Simon. He's a, he's a magician, you know, sorcerer of sorts. I don't know. Maybe he was a, a David Blaine kind of guy. You know, maybe may specialized in, frankly, I look at what David Blaine does, I'm like, oh, are you a free? Like, what, what, you know, why would you want to be buried for three days, you know, just to prove that you can do it? Why would you want to be enclosed in a block of ice for a week just to prove you? I, I don't know. Maybe some of you guys find that like real fascinating, you know, but, but may, maybe that, that's what uh, Simon was. He did this kind of the whole, you know, or being hung upside down on a cable. And then flying away? I'm sorry, for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, it's a good thing. That means you saved some time and then waste your time. Okay, so maybe they, maybe, 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 maybe he was actually more like a David Copperfield, you know? Maybe he went to the, the, the temple in Mount Gerizim where they worshiped, you know, and he made that sucker disappear. Freaked everybody out! Oh no! Maybe he was kind of the slide hand. Maybe some scholars think actually what he was was a real sort of magician and, and, and dabbling in sort of the occult. And, and the powers that he had were like legitimate sort of powers. And, and, and it was more reminiscent of, remember Moses when he was in Pharaoh's court and Moses does those tricks? And amazingly, Pharaoh's magicians were able to do the same thing. We don't, we don't know exactly the kind of magician. Here's, here's what we do know, though. Other things, He's famous. He's a celebrity of sorts. He loves being known being famous, he, 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 like most entertainers, was a shameless self-promoter. Again, he's walking around, I am the great power. I am. And people will say, he is the great power. And he goes, you're done, right. And nobody disagreed with him. He loved it. He loved it. He was probably really wealthy too, okay, because of this thing. So, so he, he, we, see, we see a picture of this guy, people eating out of his and We see a picture of this guy, his passions in life. What do you think are his passions in life? His passions in life are fame, passions in life, wealth. Passions in life, power, passions in life, celebrity, notoriety, passions in life. I meditated on this this week, and it's about Wednesday or so, that something just kind of came, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because the text kind of spoke to me, and I realized why, why, Simon, passions in life, those things. And it's found in verse 10, where it says, All the people high and low gave him their attention, and they said about him, they said about him, the great power, anybody relate to, anybody? Okay. So here's how it spoke to me. You ready? This is so embarrassing. And it was hard for me this morning to share this story. Okay. It was so hard. And you can see, it's just how uncomfortable I feel sharing this story. Um, last summer, uh, I, w- I went to Columbia with our, with our mission team, right? And uh, going back actually this coming weekend. And uh, to go to Columbia, we take flight from Chicago to Miami and then Miami to Columbia, right? <sighs> we land in Miami and we get out of our, you know, out of our plane. We're going to the next terminal, right? And I get to the next terminal. Some of our missions team has already gone there, right? And Angela and a couple other people on the plane start me, They're like, you're famous. You're a celebrity. Like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, there was this girl on the plane. She saw you walk up, get into, the, into the, air, the airplane, right? And apparently, like, she has a friend who introduced her to new community, like websites, so she's been listening to the podcast sermons, blah, blah, blah right. And then there was this video. there's this video of, a, of a, a building project, the thing that we did, right? So, so anyway, so she noticed me. This is really uncomfortable, okay? I just want to tell you, if you're sitting there, you're feeling uncomfortable right now, I am feeling like a thousand times uncomfortable. So, so anyway, so, so they're like, you're so, late. so this girl was like, she, she, she turned over apparently to like Angela and said, is that Peter Hong? 2 Mrs. missions team you know, one of these, right? So anyway, they're coming, they're telling me this story, they're like, give in, they're just going kind to, of, you know, jabbing, and everybody's just kind of making fun of it, ha, ha, ha. Can I tell you something? I actually enjoyed it. I liked it. While at the same time, being totally disgusted with myself. Anybody relate to that? Okay, okay. So check this out. So I'm sitting there. You know, I'm doing the cool Asian thing like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, oh, no. You know, I'm doing that whole Asian thing, right? Back and forth, back and forth. It's like the essence of sin in humanity, you know? It's like the wickedness and the goodness, right? So the part of me, part of me is like, and think of how silly this is, you guys. Okay, you know, aren't you, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody, nobody, you know? i did literally nobody. And, and this one girl, and and, and and I'm just doing this whole thing. So I'm like disgusted with myself and at the same time go, disgusted with myself doing the whole back and forth thing and nobody else knows you know because i am like in the bathroom going oh yeah oh yeah you know i'm in one of these things because because i realized at the moment something that lies dormant in all of us that just sprang up i'm like oh again i'm sure nobody can relate to this but it's this thing this intense desire in us to be valued to be thought of as important I'm sure nobody could relate to this, right? None of y'all can relate, right? So, so and, and here's the other thing too. Here's the other thing. I'm reminded from the Bible that, that this thing is a relational thing. In other words, this thing happens because, check this out, I was created. You and I were wired so that somebody would tell us. Okay, here's the thing. Isn't this why we seek our identity in, in what we do? Isn't it as we seek our identity and who we are? I'm smart. I'm good-looking. I'm spiritual. I help people. I'm a good mother. I'm a good father. I'm a good musician. Whatever you want to say, we do that, and it's an incredibly important thing. And here's the crazy thing, you guys. You ready? You ready? It doesn't work if we tell ourselves that, does it? It's powerful because why? We need other people. If I'm sitting in my home, you know, in my, in, my, in my bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror and going, you're that guy in the video, you are hot. <laughs> and by the way, I don't do that, okay? In case you're, does he, <laughs> he doesn't do that. It doesn't work, I don't walk out going, oh, no, it works, why? Because we're creating a in such a way that somebody else has to tell us that, Our culture says, you want to know who you are? You want to find your identity? You want to know who I am? Ask the question, who am I? Who am I? Our culture tells us that. And our culture furthermore says, find it in yourself. Develop in yourself. Love yourself. Get to know who you are. It doesn't work. The question, if you really want to know who you are, is not to ask, who am I? Ask the question, whose am I? Who do I belong to? Who have I given this enormous power and authority to make me feel significant, important, valuable? Who? Who? Whose are you? Every single one of us in this room, that's the question we read. Whose are you? Who is it that's, that's, that's speaking those things? Isn't this the reason why? I think about human emotions like lust, envy, and jealousy. They would be meaningless if we weren't hardwired to find our identity in what other people say and think, would they? See how powerful this is? Simon's not that different from you. Are you kidding me? Go, magician, sorcerer. No, no, no. What is his identity? He is the great power. You're done right. on the great power. He is the great power. You're done right. What are you so desperately wanting? Now here's the thing. So we're hardwired this way. Why? Because when God created us, check this out. When God created us, he created us in such a way that in the context of our relationship with him, he would tell us. He would speak. He would remind us. He would do that. Sin enters the world, wrecks that. So what do we do? Look at and you, 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 some random girl on a plane. No matter who she is, you, you, anybody and everybody. Please, somebody, tell me who I am. No, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, maybe if you're not a Christian or just checking out, maybe if the essence of Christianity was not, just one angle, essence of Christianity is not rules and obedience and what you do. Maybe the essence of Christianity is that there's that brokenness in us, there's a messed up thing in us. And what God really wants to do is enter into a relationship with us where healing would take place because actually we realize that we belong to him. We realize that we hear his voice. We hear and find our worth in him, find our value in him. Again, I'm sure nobody could relate to this this morning. It's just me. You guys, we could talk on and on about why we struggle, what we struggle with our sins, all that stuff. At the essence of it is, whose are you? Can you imagine what would happen to us? Maybe. Imagine what would happen to us if you and I got this and we were so filled with God, so satisfied with God, so so sure of our belonging to God that it freed us up to seek need and unhealthy ways from others and we genuinely served others. Maybe, maybe even be willing to die for them. Maybe. Maybe what keeps us from that is it's not God's love, God's presence, God's voice we seek, but it's the world's love. You know, that empty, nasty, empty thing. It's like an empty wall. You go back to it. You got to go back and again and again and again and again. And God says, why are you doing that? Do you hear the voice of your heavenly father, the one who is in relationship with you, who calls out to you and says, you're my beloved in whom I am well pleased. But I hate her. It doesn't matter. I love you. But I can't. What, what, what? Whose are you? If this resonates with you, say amen. You know, I mean, this is the essence of, uh, I think, what we wrestle with. This is. This is really the essence of what we wrestle with. Um, I, so, so, so it was this powerful awakening thing for me, man. Because you know what? It, realized, it made me realize at the moment that I'm not where I need to be with God. I mean, that's a telltale sign that I'm not where I need to be with God. Because it could have been just like, a, oh, that's cute. No, it had an enormous powerful effect on me. I was like, oh, I wanted to go, where is she? Where is she? You know, I, I, this is so uncomfortable for me to tell you. I'm just being totally like, bah! I'm laying all my crap out there, okay? But, but like, it, it just made me, and I thought, about, I'm like, wow. Hmm. i trying to ask you this morning. If anybody finds themselves in where I'm at, where I was, you know, I mean. I got mean, God's speaking to you today and saying, whose are you? Remember that you belong to me. Uh this the story goes on, okay? So so Verse 12. So when they believed, the Samaritans, Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed and was baptized. Okay, guys, a couple sort of Bible study kinds of things we need to get through here, okay? Number one, number one. So, 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 so Philip goes to Samaria and Simon's met his match. He sees a guy who has greater power. He sees a guy who has greater sort of like ability to do stuff, right? And he's doing it in this name of Jesus Christ. So Simon gets all woo, excited about it. He was find out what it is and we even find actually verse 13 they himself was believed and baptized as we've seen the rest of the story was he a genuine believer was there genuine conversion was there genuine repentance was there genuine churning before we get there i want to say a couple things from what scripture says and i don't mean this to scare anybody but i just want to throw it out there because we need to be biblical people there is a belief and there is a faith that doesn't lead to conversion there's a belief and a faith, the Bible says, that isn't a result of genuine conversion. Let me give you some examples. Check this out. Jesus chapter 2 of John, verse 20 25 says this. When Jesus was in Jerusalem at Passover feast, many believed in his name, there it is, and they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus, check this out, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all men. And he didn't know one to bear witness of man for he himself knew what was in a man. So here's a group of people kind of believing a kind of faith and yet jesus says not real not genuine not going to entrust myself to them you can be in the presence of preaching be in the presence of godly miracles and not result in genuine faith genuine conversion even though you think you believe next example Luke chapter 8, verse 13, Jesus describing the parable of the four soils, and he says, and the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they, what, fall away. Again, Jesus says, there is a belief, there's a kind of faith that isn't real faith, that isn't genuine faith. One more verse. First uh, First Corinthians chapter 15. Apostle Paul says, I preach to you the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold it fast. And then he says, unless you are believed in vain. He says there's a faith that's believed in vain. So James says in James chapter 2. Empty faith, barren faith, meaningless faith. Is it possible for somebody to show all outward appearances that they are believers, outward appearances that they are generally saved, and yet not really be? The Bible seems to say so. Now, how do we make sense of that? We'll see in a moment with, uh, with Simon, okay? All right, let's go on. Verse 13. And he followed Philip everywhere. Astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, let me just say, uh, lots and lots of people have killed lots and lots of trees. The debate about what happens here in these two verses is so silly and i get to that in a moment but but first i want to point out the same john by the way that went down to samaria in luke chapter 9 you know what he's saying he's saying god send down fire on the nasty samaritans god send down fire this is the same 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 john luke, luke chapter 9 here he is in samaria in samaria it's amazing what the gospel can do eh it's amazing so, what's this all about? Okay. This is going to interest, like, maybe two of you guys that are, like, theological, and then the rest of us are like, but this is important, okay? This is important. It's not as good as the Columbia whole airport thing, but, you know, this is, this, is, this is pretty important. Number one. Number one. How many of you guys grew up in tradition where somebody said, you need a second baptism of the Holy Spirit to know that you're really, truly, genuinely saved? Anyone? Hands up. Okay. Okay. So, I don't have to, like, heal... Too many people today, <laughs> to, teaching, to some of you guys, maybe you guys aren't scarred, but here's, here's the teaching, here's the teaching, they point to this and they go, hey, here, check this out, here's what happens, okay, you can be a believer, right, but you need a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need a second sort of Holy Spirit coming on you, and oftentimes the second baptism of the Holy Spirit is signified with what, the gift of tongues, right, and so these folks in the Christian community have looked at, you know, and said, said are you, second baptism. Have you received second baptism? Is so he speaking in tongues, you know? And, and it's caused some issues, you know, within the church because then all of a sudden there's hierarchy like are you a Christian? Are you not? Are you a good Christian? Bad Christian? Everyone in the middle? Where are you? Do you speak in tongues? Blah, blah, blah. By the way, in case... I know. Uh, so, I get to this. so so the other perspective that people go that's nonsense there's no such thing as second baptism in the Holy, spirit. Holy Spirit us being baptized in the Holy Spirit it's a one time event moment of conversion here's a passage they, they point to First Corinthians chapter 12 for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body whether Jews or Greeks slave or free and we were all given the one spirit to drink we're not baptized second time, you know. Into some, we're all baptized. The moment of conversion is when we're baptized in the Spirit of God, and that settles it. Okay, my perspective. Who cares? <laughs> is it okay for me to say that? Who the heck cares? The Bible says this. The Bible simply says, I don't care if it's a one-time thing, second-time thing, many, 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 many times thing. The Bible says simply, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, seek it, desire it, want it. I don't care if you call it anointing, filling, outpouring, blessings, whatever you want to call it. The Bible says, experience of the Holy Spirit and his work in your life. Seek it, desire it. Ephesians 5.18, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. It's not, have ah, when I want to. No, no, no. He says, seek it, desire it. It's good. And furthermore, be filled, be. The tense of the Greek is, is ongoing. Ongoing all the time. Can we just leave it at that? Is it okay? I mean, who cares? For thousands of trees, millions of trees have been killed because some people are going, oh, no. Second, and some people are going, oh, no. I'm going, who no Who cares? Here's the other thing, important thing I want to say. And this is a little challenge, a little hard as we continue the story. The Bible also says this, not only should you desire to seek it, the Bible says that a person who is encountering the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, there are visible effects that the Spirit of God is alive in your life. Check this out. Check this out. Okay? The Bible is very clear. Book of Acts. If you are a Christian and you're encountering the Spirit, Holy Spirit on a regular basis, there are visible effects that you can point to that say the Spirit of God is at work in my life. This isn't to be religious.. this isn't a hierarchy. This is simply just biblical truth that says, if you are a follower of Christ, let me show you some examples. You don't have to point, uh, turn your Bibles. Here are some visible effects that we see throughout the book of, book of, uh, book of Acts. Sometimes it comes with speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Sometimes it came with the gift of prophecy. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 10 again. Sometimes it came with the greater awareness of the gospel of Jesus. It came vivid. It came alive. The result of them pray, worship, laying down their lives. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10. Sometimes spirits work in our lives comes with obedience to the commands of God. There's a greater sense of obedience, greater sense of wanting to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes it came with radical generosity. Do you remember that? Radical generosity. Looking out for the poor. Looking out for those that are uh, marginalized radical generosity other times it came with working on various supernatural gifts like miracles and signs and wonders and there are a number of other examples but this thing is clear luke is saying if you're a child of god if you're a christian and the holy spirit is at work in your life something some visible fact visible sign will be evident in your life so let me ask you a question is there a greater sense of awareness of the gospel in your life where his grace is just electrifying you Let me ask you a question. Has there been a movement in such a way that your heart is being poured out in radical generosity to those that are less fortunate? Oh, this one. Has there been a greater witness of the Holy Spirit in such a way that your life is relating a greater level of obedience to the commands of God? song that we sang today. To be holy, to be set apart. Hmm? Hmm? See, see, has there been a work in your life in such a way? And here's here's the big thing, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus even talked about the fruit of the Spirit Are there characteristics attributes of the Spirit? When people see you in your your personality, your temper, and so on and so forth, is there a sense in which there's a greater, greater, greater level of love, justice, peace, kindness, self-control? Hmm? Evaluate your heart. Is the Holy Spirit at work in your life? By the way, this morning, I said this morning, when I'm saying this, if you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, 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 she needs to hear this sermon, Uh uh-huh i uh, email her today and go, you need to check that out. Like at the 20th minute, like when he starts talking about, do you? Ex-? That means you don't get it. That means you, if you're sitting there already thinking about other people, who need to, that means you don't get Do you get it? Hmm? Do, 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 do you get it? Is there visible? Jesus even talked about this. He said, you shall know my disciples by the fruit. They will show evidence of me being at work in his or it's hard biblical truth, isn't it? But it's, it's truth. Okay? So here's Simon. You ready? Here's Simon. When Simon saw that the spear was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability. Um, you guys, I just got to uh, confess something. When, 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 this week when I was preparing this, and I, it, it, it must have been the devil. It must have been the devil. How many of you guys are familiar with that the McDonald's commercial, the new filet fish commercial? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's got a fish that's mounted on a wall, right? And a guy is like eating like a do- double, like a filet of fish and, and, and the song is, give me that filet fish give me that fish, give me that filet fish <laughs> What would you do if you're the one? Like, and, and every time I come to this text and I that give me this, I, I would hear and see that, fish get me this. I'm like, oh I literally like several times, go, Lord, I cast out that evil spirit in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry, it was just silly, but I, it, it's in my head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, something gets in your head, and it's like, and I can't get it out. I can't get out. Literally this morning, this is totally nothing to it. I was walking out, and my wife goes, what? And I realized, I was singing, give me that. And she's like, what? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Some of you guys are going to be like, home if you have roommates, right, and this commercial is going to come on, you're going to go, ah! <laughs> and someone's going to go, what the heck is wrong with you? Oh, anyway, verse 19, it said, give me also this ability so that, okay, people, were growing up adults, right? Come on now. Focus. Focus. Give me this ability so that everyone on whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered, verse 20, may your money perish with you. You know what literally Peter said there? You and your money can go to hell. Apparently, Peter didn't get the whole, you know, seeker-sensitive message. You and your money can go to hell. This is literally what he says. You and your money, Simon, could go to hell. And then he says, Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness Literally, he says, you are, you are in the gall. You are in the gall of bitterness and captive to sin. Literally, what Peter says is, now I see your true state. What happened to Simon? It happens to people all the time. Here's a question I want us to wrestle with this morning, right? What's the object of your salvation? What's the object of your faith? Why do you believe? Why are you a Christian? Why do you follow him? No, really, really. I, I need to throw out that What is the object of your, your faith? Why are you a believer? Why are you here? Attractive men and women? Why are you here? Why are you here? Here's the thing. Could it be, could it be that we think we're here for the right reason? Could it be that maybe we're not really drawn to Jesus, but maybe the idea of Jesus? Could it be that maybe we're not really drawn to Jesus, but we're drawn to the benefits of Jesus? Oh, that's a big one for a lot of us. Could it be that, you know, we we, uh, don't really want to be married to Jesus, we just want to be friends with benefits? Could it be? Could it be that Jesus is not who he wants to be and says in your life, What's Simon's true salvation? What's the object of his salvation? Is it Jesus? No. He admits it in verse 19. Give me what? This ability. What is his salvation? What is his God? It's power. As a magician, that's how he's found his identity. His power salvation. That's how he's found it. Over people. Power is power over people. And now he's a Christian. So he's gone from having power over people here. Never genuine conviction repentance. Now he's found another group of people that he could have power over. There's been no heart change. There's been no genuine repentance. There's been no switch and turning of what anchors his soul. He's just trying to do his old salvation in a different way. It's works righteousness. Just in different skin. Are you following me? You don't think this happens in church? How many guys ever grew up in church where there was that deacon or that elder or somebody, again, we don't want to judge, but somebody, you're just like, are you a Christian, man? Because they were just ruthlessly like pontificating, just loved like ordering people around without any grace, any grace and any love. Love, power, just having, any, anybody, anybody? Okay. Okay. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? My freshman, uh, sophomore year in college. Sophomore year in college, it was this young man. It was a freshman. He 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 was one of those guys that was like the president and the man, like on campus. Every you know, president vice president of his student council. You know, and all this other stuff. Just tons of just you know, the attention. All this other stuff, right? It just he became a Christian at this little conference that we had in our retreat, right? After about a month into it. And I made the mistake of giving him leadership, right? About a month into it, I had slowly people in our Christian fellowship coming to me and going, You gotta talk to him, you gotta talk to him. Why? He's bossy, he's rude, he's judgmental, he tells us what to do so on and so forth without any craze. Not surprisingly, he eventually dropped out of our fellowship. And by the end of my senior year, I found out he wasn't a Christian. Stop following Jesus, like right after that year. And you look at that and go, what happened to him? Again, without judging, you go, you were not a Christian. We don't know. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. He went from finding his identity, finding his salvation, finding what he is about in this power over people, attention, focus of people, and just found another group of people. Here, Let me give you another example. There are a lot of people in the church, I think, their real salvation is not Jesus. Their real salvation actually is acceptance and approval of other people. Are you an incurable people pleaser? I mean, beyond just, you know, I, I want to make, I mean, are you, are you devastated that somebody doesn't like you? Are you devastated when somebody, are you devastated if somebody doesn't notice you? I see a lot of Christians who go from being in an area where they find identity, so on and so forth, acceptance of other people, and they just switch from that to finding a new group of people that would do the same for them. It's work righteousness. It's not Jesus isn't yourself, Jesus isn't your object of your faith. Approval from people, affirmation from people. Here's one other. I could give a list of these. Well, one other. For a lot of us, maybe, again, it's not Jesus. It's, it's miracles, signs, and wonders. Here's what I mean by that. It's not just charismatic, but maybe for us, it's the fact that Jesus answers our prayers. Jesus meets our needs. Jesus comes through for us. Which is not an unbiblical thing, but here's what happens when Jesus doesn't come through. When Jesus doesn't answer our prayers. We basically say, what I hear in my office, I get people walking and going, the Christ- I'm, I'm done with this. Why? It's not working for me. Well, it's not working for you. The whole Christianity thing, it's not working. And when I get to the bottom of it, here's, I tell you guys all the time, if you seek to meet Jesus, if you seek to meet Jesus in order to get your needs met, you will neither get your needs met nor meet him. Let me say that once more. If you seek to meet Jesus in order to get your needs met, you will neither meet him nor get your needs met. Can I ask you something? Is he your God? Is he your king? Or is he a personal assistant? You know, a counselor you go to once in a while. You know, uh, the, 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 does he revolve around your life or does your life orbit around him? I mean, come on, seriously, seriously, answer the question. You know, ask the question this morning. Like, who is Jesus to you? What is the object of your faith? What is the object? What is the object of your salvation? Is it him? Is he your own? Is he your own consuming passion? Is he your ultimate beauty? Is he the one you get up in the morning and say, for him, for him, for him, I live. Is he something and somebody that you go to, not just when you need him, but because he's a source of everything that you are? Do you find your glory in other things or do you find your glory in him? Who is he to you? What is the object of your salvation? Ask yourself this morning, don't you dare walk out of here going, yeah, I don't want to think about that. No, ask yourself this morning, what is the object of your salvation? Is it him? Is it him? I wonder if I'm talking to anybody here this morning who's, been in church maybe all your life or for a while. And as you're hearing this, you're, you're sitting there going, oh, man, maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm not a Christian. I have great news for you. That's a great place to be in. I say this over and over again. Christianity, Jesus never meant it for us to straddle the fence. Christianity, you're either all in or you're not in at all. Read his words. That's why I say you meet Jesus, he'll wreck your life. Jesus will wreck your life, man. He'll wreck your life. Has anybody's lives been wrecked yet because of Jesus? Then you know, man. Then you know. If Jesus doesn't wreck your life, oh, you probably have an encounter. Has he wrecked your life? He will just churn. It's the image, C.S. Lewis. When we accept Jesus to become a Christian, imagine a little cottage, you know, and we want somebody to come and do a little touch-up, a little paint, little. and all of a sudden you look outside the window and there's this big old bulldozer with Jesus sitting on top of it going, uh-huh, you know. And you go, what the heck is going on? And you hear Jesus going, oh, no, no. I I, I wasn't meant to, you know, kind of. He said, I'm actually going to level that so I can build a palace fit for a king. What is the object of your salvation, friend? Hmm? Oh, one other thing, one other thing. I just want to. For those of you that are like, I want to be done with the whole Christianity thing. I want to press this a little bit more. You know, there's a difference between being done with the idea and not a person. Here's what I mean. Some of you might be done with the idea of Christianity. In other words, the idea of Christianity, it's a set of beliefs that made you feel good, made you feel right at some point. It's no longer working for you. Maybe you never really encountered the person beyond the idea. You guys ready to finish this story? Yeah? Okay, so let's go. Verse 24, and Simon answered, okay, I need your help here. I need you guys to help it, right? And Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Huh? He wouldn't do it himself? Sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of. There are other things that are wrong with that. And by the way, for those of y'all going, that's so dumb. That's us. That's us. In other words, look at it. What is he sorry for? Why is he repentant? Yes! His primary concern in repentance is consequences of sin and what would happen to him. And not a single thought to what it has done to God. This is us. This is why I say we are religious to the core. Because if you're gospel believing, repentance and sin, it's not first and foremost about, okay, I don't want to do that because the consequences, oh no, the punishment, oh no, which is selfish to the core. Because it's all about me, 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 and me some more. But when the gospel snaps inside of you, here, let me show you what I mean. Will you put up the rest of that, please? Let me just show you what the... Religious repentance is selfish. Why? Consequences of sin is the primary thing you're worried about. How many of you guys can relate to this? Come on, be honest. When we repent, when we sin, the primary thing on our mind is, I don't want to get punished. I don't want to get punished. The heinousness of sin is not what it does to us. Heinousness of sin is what it does to who? What it does to God. You see, it dishonors... The one who did that for us. You know what this motivation is like? Let me give you my wife and myself. Imagine the kind of marriage we would have if I go, I don't want to mess up. Why? Because she might not love me anymore. Because she might not, you know, accept me anymore. Because she might leave me. Is there more selfish reason to behave than that? When the gospel steps inside of you, here's what that looks like. Why would I want to do that to the person that loves me unconditionally and has said will never, ever leave me? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Can I ask you a question? When was the last time? When was the last time when you're in the midst of sin, you know, the whole thing? The thought that crossed your mind, you know, wasn't first like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? The first thought that crossed your mind was, God, how could I do this to you? Why would I do this to the one who loves me and said would never forsake me? Do you see the difference, friends? Do you see the difference? Secondly, religious repentance is self-righteous. Here's what I mean. In religious repentance, repentance is, 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 is in its, 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 repentance, the act itself is, 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 aton- is atoning What do I mean? How many, religious, here's what religious repentance looks like, right? I'm gonna make myself feel bad. I'll beat myself up. Could I, that, that? And again, no concern for God, right? I'm gonna beat myself up. And you're looking going, Okay, I don't feel bad enough yet, so I'm going to beat myself some more. And we think that's God. We think that's Jesus. We think that's biblical. That's religious, man. Why? Jesus Christ says he took your misery. He took your suffering. And just because you beat yourself up more doesn't mean that he's going to forgive you. He says you're trying to earn that by saying the more I feel bad, God, the more I could earn it. Jesus Christ some sense says the gospel, you receive it. You receive it in faith. Stop beating yourself up i did that for you i'm never gonna leave you i'm never gonna forsake you i don't care what you've done Stop beating yourself up and try to earn my approval because i think that just because you i haven't cried enough yet god oh god's going hello the cost the cost the cross receive it in faith do you know why we beat ourselves up can i just say uh, I don't want to sound you know why? Right, here's why I think we beat ourselves up. You ready? It's the whole religion thing again. Here's the thing. If you know, this is the reason why some of us, oh, let me just put it this way. This is the reason why some of you guys, you've been beating yourself up and not accepting God's forgiveness for weeks, for months, and years. And here's the thing. Check this out. Check this out. Is your relationship to God any closer? Why? God, if I can contribute to this forgiveness thing by making myself feel really bad, I don't have to give my all to you. I don't. Your unwillingness to accept God's forgiveness because you think the more you beat yourself up, you'll be drawn closer to God is doing the exact opposite. It's drifting further and further and further. Third, religious repentance is infrequent and bitter all the way down. Why? What is the whole goal of a religious person? To make sure you're a good moral person, you behave all right? So that God would accept you, bless you, forgive you, right? If that's the whole entirety of your life system, can you ever admit that you've messed up? Can you ever admit that you have faults? If the whole point is, I'm good, I behave, you know it, I know it, I'm perfect. If that's the whole point of religion, can that person ever admit to, you know, messing up? No, why? Because it's traumatic to do that. It's actually devastating to do that. (gasps) What does religion do? It keeps you from regularly going, repenting, confessing, having your heart cleansed and purified before this loving, gracious father who's already done this for you. Because it's traumatic to admit your faults. By the way, this is one of the ways that you know for sure if the gospel of Jesus Christ is at work in your life. Are you somebody who has an easy time just asking for forgiveness saying, I'm sorry? Why? Why? It's no big deal that you think I'm jacked up. You think I'm messed up. You think I'm all not all that because it's true. I'm not all that. I'm not jacked. But oh no, oh no, I'm gonna one up you. Oh no, I'm better. Oh no, if that's the fundamentalized sort of hearts, oh my gosh, it's gonna be impossible to say you're sorry. Here's a beautiful thing about the gospel because it works both ways. If you get this, <laughs> the more you sin. If I could put it that way, the more you mess up, the amazing thing, it doesn't make you go, oh, oh, oh." the more you sin, the more amazing God's grace begins to appear. Like, does it make sense? You know, the more we jack up, the more, but why? Because the the gospel says, I still love you. What? You do? Oh yeah, I still, what? So the more we sin, the more God's grace, his love becomes more electrifying, more amazing. Like, you do this, me? Yeah, I do. You know what else? Then it turns around and that goes, so I have no problems then coming to God and saying, God, I'm sorry. I messed up, God. I jacked up, God. Because I know you already... Lo- I know you're not going to leave me. I know you're not going to abandon me. See the dynamic? Oh, man. So I'm telling you, how real a religion of gospel is to you will definitely be at the core of repentance. Lastly, and then we'll move. Lastly, religious repentance, grace, you can go up, is incomplete. What do I mean? Uh, religious person? We'll ask for forgiveness, if pressed, for things that they've done wrong. You know what a gospel person does? You ask for repentance and you confess, even when you do right. You know why? How many have done things right with the wrong motives? How many have done good things? Everybody else thought, oh, how spiritual, how godly, how wonderful. And inside we're going, hmm. How many of us ever relate to doing the right things for the wrong reasons? You know what a gospel person says? A gospel person says, God, it's not about my appearance. It's not about, it's about the fact that you see my heart. You see my heart. and You accept me. You love me anyway, God. And you know what? When I helped that person, I did it for me. When I gave, I did it for me. When I spoke, I did it for me. When I told, I did it for myself, God. Self-salvation, keep you up. I did it all for myself. It had nothing to do with you. And you know what? I can come to you and admit that. I can come to you and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I messed up. I can do that. We find ourselves confessing even when we do right things with the wrong motives. We have entered into a season of Lent. This season leading up to Easter is supposed to be a time of repentance and reflection and prayer. The reality is the whole repentance and confession thing is like sort of not in vogue in church because we associate it with guilt and condemnation and fundamentalism. The repentance is one of the most beautiful acts ever. Because you know, if you know what it's like to be reconciled to someone that you love, and that moment of reconciliation when you ask, say, I'm sorry, and that person says, I forgive, that it's life giving, it's redemptive, it's healing. Repentance was never meant to be this beat myself and do more, be more. Repentance was meant to be God, humbly and yet confidently, I come to you and say, God, whew, wow, I messed up. I really did here's what we did at the nine o'clock service and I want to do this here Um, I'm going to invite in a moment for those of you that want to come out there front so the cross and the altar get on your knees and spend time in repentance now check this out for those of you that grew up kind of in a church background you're going oh my god it reminds me of going up to the altar no 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 this isn't about guilt it's about you going to the father your heavenly father who says do you know how much I love you do you know how much I love you do you know how much I love you and this father, who's not going to condemn, who's not going to judge, this father who says, yeah, we do need to get some stuff right, right? Yeah, yeah. See, we do that stuff that you did last night, the stuff that you did last week or the month before, yeah, we didn't deal with that yet. Let's, let's deal with that. For those, yeah, yeah, you, you, your whole identity is wrapped up around what other people say about that because you're that. And, and, and you function like that for for weeks, for months, maybe for years and years. And maybe today is the day you come and say, God, I want to begin the journey of saying, no more. It's not what other people say, what they exclaim about me. God, it's you and your voice. Maybe some of us, um, we come to God today and say, God, all the good things that I've done, you and I both know, God, that's just selfish and self-centered to the core. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. So I want to invite you. Get up from where you're at. Come all the way up to the front. Kneel in front of the altar of the cross. And spend this time in repentance. And then we're going to invite everyone for communion. Okay? Get up. Come on. Come on. Who cares what other people think around you? Give me a break. Anywhere. Byron, anywhere. If you like, you want to be close to the cross, go to the Get up from where you're at. Don't miss this opportunity, you guys. Don't miss this opportunity. Get up from where you're at. Come up, come up to the front. Kneel before your Heavenly Father who loves you, who's never gonna leave you, forsake you, who gave his all for you. Come all the way up to the front, all the way up to the front. Kneel, kneel, kneel before the cross, kneel before the altar of God. I'm giving you this space, I'm giving you this time, I'm giving you this moment. I'm giving you this time, giving you this moment to come with gospel repentance, with gospel repentance, <laughs> with gospel repentance. And, 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 and as you come, I invite anybody else, as you come and as you kneel, uh, uh, oh, I want you to begin from wherever it is that God spoke to you and is speaking to you right now and saying, God, yep, that's it. I know you're already pointing it out, God, that's it. And the most honest thing you can do, the most authentic you can do in repentance is say, God, I'm sorry. It doesn't stop there though and say, God, will you help me? Will you give me strength to die to that, to live for you? God, will you give me strength, God, to die to that, to no longer find my life in that and to live for you? It's saying you're sorry, but more than that, it's committing to turning towards God to a new way of life. So friends, brothers and sisters, I'm going to just give you the next few minutes. Your next few minutes. to pray to your Heavenly Father who awaits you, your Heavenly Father, who loves you, your Heavenly Father. Jesus. God, I thank you for your grace, your amazing, amazing grace. And as we live this week, every day of our lives, help us hear your voice. Help us to seek your voice. Help us to desire your voice that comes and reminds us Of who we are. Of who we are. Because of you, Jesus. Child of God, you are loved, you are accepted, you are forgiven, you are redeemed. Go forth in boldness and in confident joy. For he is with you. He is with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, amen. Walk out of here with your heads held up high. For he loves you and he is for you. Have a great week.